to episode 70 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. Big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? It's going great. How are you? Not too bad. We've had a little bit of sunshine. Very little. But, or maybe you've had more. We've had nothing no, over here. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> but that's it's summer. That's in July. Yeah, it's yeah. July in San Francisco. Yeah. So much like the weather, our podcast will be pretty straightforward and, and usual today. We'll have on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and bingo, because it's still bingo season. Thank goodness, I'm so far behind. There is no far behind. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. I should be like checking things off left and right, but I'm not. That's okay. We have plenty of time, as we will discuss. But first, on the needles, I know you are all waiting with bated breath. I yes, know. I have a completed sweater. If, I did, did you really do a four-day sweater? Well, so 10 calendar days, which is still pretty awesome. I have not added up my hours yet. I keep Usually I keep kind of a running total when I'm doing it, so I know where I am. And this time I just... I didn't feel like doing the math. So I'm probably right around the four-day mark, but I don't I don't actually know. But 10 calendar days, I feel is pretty good for a whole darn sweater. Oh my gosh, yeah. All right, and now I get to show you for reals. Drum roll. Wow. Oh, Monica. And it fits. Well, I haven't blocked it yet, so hopefully it will continue to fit. Boy, that tweed is just awesome. Isn't it pretty? So the yarn is from... So Happy Jane, S-E-W, and it's her delightful tweed DK, and the colorway is called Gather, which is just a beautiful magenta. And this was the yarn used in this sample, and I don't usually buy the design yarn, but it was really pretty, and I don't have anything in tweed. Yeah, it has so. like flecks of cream and black and like a warm, like a mid-brown, I guess. And then the the field is a, it's like a magenta. This is so beautiful. I love that we're back in real life where I get to so you can see it. So that yeah, I can yeah. feel and touch and inspect, not inspect in a, but just see what you created in yeah. ten calendar days, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um, and this is my favorite part, the weaving in of all the. Yeah, those will get. This is a great detail. There's like on the sleeve and on the hip, there's some, what do you call that stitch? That's the firework stitch. So it's the firework sweater by Marie Green, Uh, who also. Oh, and it's here too. Yeah, (laughs) that's the main part of it. It's Marie Green or Olive Knits. I think her website is is Olive Knits. So it's a four-day sweater and a long, which I think this is the fifth year she's done it. It was kind of, she had a an extra long weekend one year and she had a sweater that she really needed to get done for a, a sample or you know some sort of business thing and she said well let me see what happens if I just sit down and spend the whole four-day weekend knitting and she was able to do it and I guess she detailed it on her blog and people were like that's awesome I want to do that so for the past five years she's designed sweaters they started off being cardigans the past two years have been pullovers designed specifically to do in four days become more of a month-long thing now. No one really expects you to sit down and do it in four days. If you're doing a larger size, you, you know, have five or six days. Technically, I think a lot of people 
keep track of their hours like I do just to see because I can't I can't sit down and knit for eight hours I mean yeah no that's really not gonna happen eight hours straight yeah yeah that's it's a lot it's like asking for carpal tunnel or yeah. what do you call the knitter version of carpal tunnel carpal tunnel <laughs> so anyway so it's the fireworks sweater and it's a pullover yoke style and it has this really cool firework stitch it looks like little bird feet so it has double yarn overs which basically means you're putting extra yarn into the stitch and then you slip it and so it looks it looks like a firework and then or it chicken, expands or out chicken feet. <laughs> for fireworks i'm gonna go with the fireworks um and then there's some bobbles on the top and as Courtney said, you also put that same detail on the outside of the sleeves and the inside hip. Hip leg, yeah. Yeah. So it looks really cool. It's beautiful. It's so fun. It was really fun to do. And even the middle part, which, or the middle part. So you do the yoke and that has all the design stuff. So that involves some thinking, although her patterns are really well written and she has lots of links to video tutorials. So if you don't understand the stitch or don't know it, something new. It's right, all the information is right there. And then the bottom half is just knitting, knitting, knitting. But then you do get to do a few more of the firework stitch. So that that keeps the interest up. And you do have to pay a little bit of attention. But yeah. And it fits. I'm very excited. I just love the texture of this tweed, too. Yeah. It adds a little visual interest, but you can still see the stitch design. The bobbles are really fun. Yeah, and people did a lot of interesting things with it. There were several people, and I don't know who had this idea or started it, but they did the the main body of the sweater in one color, and their firework stitch they did in a different color. So like a gray background and then, you know, multicolored yarn or just a different color. Wow. So cool. I don't I don't quite know how you would make that work, but, but they did, so. Maybe Intarsia? Yeah, I think you would just have to knit with. Right with that color for the rows where you're creating the stitch. Right. Yeah, so it would just be every six rows or something. Yeah, so it looked really cool. But yeah, super fun sweater, really nice yarn to knit with. Just a great, great project overall. And now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do next. And when once I finish a big project, it's always like, what do I do now? There's like so many ideas and other things that I kind of want to knit and need to knit. So many exciting things. I did get a little bit more done. I think I'm probably going to try and finish up the rainbow wing shawl. I did a little bit more of that. Just very, very into that whole rainbow thing right now. So fun. That might be my next one. We shall see. I also have some baby sweaters that I need to knit. So, so many things. And my t-shirt that I was working on has gotten no love. So I might have to go back to that. We shall see. So you took a pause from socks. I did actually I did cast on a new pair. I think I have maybe two two rounds done because I needed I had nothing that was portable enough. So there was person knitting. There was like a, a round or two that narrowed down to the winner, right? That you were not wait, you made it to the second to last? Yes. So are you knitting the final oh, sock pattern? I right? want to, but I haven't. Mm. It looked pretty mind-bendy, and I'm not sure I'm quite, that's quite what I want to be doing right now. But we'll see. It was really, Fair enough. it was really cool. It was, it was a very cool pattern. So I might get back to it. We'll see. There's a lot of patterns out there to knit. A lot of yarn. 
A lot of yarn to be used. So much yarn, so little time. It's true. It's very true. Yeah, so not, you know, not a lot of it to talk about because there was just the one big thing. So what has been on the easel? Well, when we last spoke, the art room got a new patio door out to the balcony, and I had sort of been interrupted by that process. So I have been able to move back into the studio. I love the new door. It makes the room so much quieter. It feels really different. It would be interesting to record remotely in there and see the, see the sound quality. You can't hear the bus rumble by as wow. much. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And I'm excited because once they get the railing up, I'll have access to the balcony again in a in a way that I've never had before. And so on a nice day, I could put an easel out there and paint outside. I could put a little table and chair out there and paint and draw on, you know, the rare nice day in San Francisco, which we're coming up on. Yes. You know, we're coming up September and October are just the absolute best months here. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm not even gonna say it. But um, so I'm hoping that I'll get some time out there and I was really careful about what I brought back into the studio because it oh, was... Oh, right. You had it all nice and empty. It was so <laughs> empty. It was You could ballroom dance in there. It was just great. And now you can't. It's still... It's pretty crowded again. But much better. And I've been very intentional about what gets prominence. I put a lot of things like canvases and panels that I don't need as often. I've kind of tucked them away. They're still easy to access, but they're not sort of front and center and brought all of the colored pencils and the paints and, you know, just sort of rearranging for how I need to use it daily. That has been awesome because I have been painting. Yay! I have been painting flowers, cool. which is not groundbreaking by any stretch. However, I've been thinking about my grandmother's cutting gardens. She was always really good about having flowers around that she could snip and bring them into the house. And that's what I'm painting. Like she had gladiolas, which I never liked, but delphinium or hollyhock are really close. So are delphinium, you know, the long stock ones that get really tall and they're like the, the tall kid in the back of the arrangement. Yeah those kinds of flowers and then cosmos and poppy seed heads and lilies and just that has been sort of a therapeutic way back into daily painting and i i'm not trying to make anything big i'm just painting flowers right now and that feels really good i also for one of my bingo squares am collaborating with matthew who is my second, my younger son, on a, a 3D print. I saw this really cool fabric sculpture of, I think it was a rabbit, and he had a snail backpack. Oh, how cute. It was totally cute. I want a snail hair clip. So Matthew is going to print me a good sized snail like two by two Ooh. and I'm gonna affix it to a hair clip so that I can nice I feel like I need that kind of thing in my life right now yeah I'm really guilty of wearing a lot of black <laughs> <laughs> she 
she says, looking down at her current yeah. outfit. Black, 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 and black. You got fancy shoes on. I do. And so trying to infuse a little bit of, I'm trying to, you know, come out of a really hard year, like everyone else. And so... You have a bit of extra. Yeah, but so did a lot of other families. But, you know, were it socially acceptable, I would wear a crown of flowers. Or, like, at least, I love flowers. And so the idea of tucking something into my hair, like that snail or or a silk flower or something, seems really indulgent and wild, but also not so much. You know, why not? Yeah. I'm I'm kind of embracing my quirky art lady side and I like it. Yeah. So that's our collaboration. He's gonna do it in gold. Ooh. And I wanna see how that looks. But maybe we'll do one that I paint. I don't know. I like the idea of a gold one. So that's on the burners. And then I have a, a little commission that I'm working on, which is top secret, and I hope I can share it when I'm done. Cool. So Things are happening. Yeah. And the art room is gorgeously spacious. Nice. Well, not like it was when we emptied it, but... More room to think. Yes, for sure. Cool. On the table. I made those chocolate chip cherry brownies. Blondies. (gasps) Delicious. Right? Yeah, we had a whole... I got fresh cherries from Produce Box, and they weren't getting eaten as fast as I thought they would. And, you know, they were going to turn in a minute so I was like yep this is the time to make them they were really good so that was that was delicious that was just a recipe that I found off the internet yeah it was very good she suggested using peaches or blackberries or all sorts of things which made more sense in a way I don't know it was a very it was not a I wouldn't have thought to put fruit in the brownie mix fruit like that did you dust them Oh, with a little gluten-free flour first? I did not. I saw that note. And they worked out okay. Great. So, yeah, I decided (laughs) I'm going to pretend it was for science so I could see (laughs) if it worked. But maybe mine also didn't rise as much anyway, so Mm. there wasn't much space for them to sink. So you did it with just gluten-free flour? Awesome. Yeah. That is science. Yeah. It worked for both of us. Yeah. So those those were delicious. And then I finally made the chicken artichoke bake from Simply Julia, where Ooh, it's... I've been wanting to do that one. Tell me everything. Yeah, so it was delicious. And her idea was that it's kind of like a, an artichoke dip, but chicken and a meal. So it's got lots of spinach in it, sour cream, and her recipes in that are really so easy. You just... Yeah. You brown the chicken, uh, cut up the chicken into bits, brown it off. Throw in some frozen spinach and artichoke hearts and sour cream and Parmesan on top. And then you bake it. Yeah. And it was delicious. It made a ton. I ended up making it. It was supposed to be for me and boy, boy one. But he went off and did something else. So I had tons of leftovers, which was fine. Because then I had lunch for the next day and the day after that. (laughs) So that was good. Yeah, it was really tasty and very easy. So I would recommend that. Well, that that's good. one that's that I wanted to circle back around to and ne- and didn't get a chance to make because I didn't know if my kids would be into the artichoke. But I mean, you could leave it out. No way. That's the best of, part. Well, yes. It is. Do it they is, not like artichoke dip? Um, 
I just got all the spinach and the chicken, so I don't know how much. Yeah, I don't you know. You do, but you do, you get nice chunks of artichoke, and it's delicious. And I serve it over just white are rice. nearly my favorite food. I mean, I sushi is a whole category. <laughs> That's a different kind thing. Kind of neck and neck, okay. in a way. Interesting. Yes, well, I think you should make it. And if they don't like it, then they can cook dinner. Well, I love that idea. Yeah. So anyway, I would recommend that one. And then I had a whole week of cooking for myself, which was pretty fun. And did you actually did? cook for yourself? I did. There were a lot of recipes that just were not really adaptable. Yeah. Or that, you know, they made it for two people or, you know, it just, it was going to be too much work. And it ended up being really, so I had a couple of recipes and they had a couple of things that I would just sort of throw together. And then I would I usually end up having leftovers so I could either do that for lunch or I would swing back and use that the next night. And I could start cooking whenever I wanted so or or change my mind. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. So it was a very nice, low-key sort of cooking. And I definitely picked ones that were easy, like the breakfast at Chico's from East, which was, it was kind of like an Asian carbonara. So you use egg and soy sauce. Ooh. And it was amazing. And udon noodles, which are not gluten-free. So, so instead of pancetta... Or bacon. It, it is just it's soy sauce. Soy sauce. That's your and, oh, and egg. Yeah. Mommy. Yeah. So it was, and I guess it's a breakfast thing, but it made a very nice dinner for me. Excellent. Yeah. So that was really tasty. I noticed when I was doing some Japanese research for my Lemon Latitude project that their breakfasts were very savory. Yeah. I kind of like that. I'm not against that either, but this for me was a good dinner. Because Excellent. also super easy, cook pasta, right. mix soy sauce in an egg, and you're good to go. Maybe even just the yolk, I forget, but it was great. And then also from East, I did pistachio, mint, and pea, not even a sauce on soba. So kind of, sort of like a pesto, you kind of mix everything, mm-hmm. but it was super chunky. And I thought it was going to be more saucy. It could be because my peas were not totally defrosted. So like, everything got a little gummed up in the blender. And it was supposed to be chunky. It was not supposed to be a smooth puree. And then you added snap peas as well. So there ended up being so many vegetables in there. And this gorgeous, chunky, saucy thing that the pasta was almost secondary. It was mm. so bright and all these great flavors. And it was just delightful. It was uh, like a bowl of vegetables with a little bit of carbs. Like just enough carbs to make it solid. That reminds me of those two recipes that we had earlier in the summer, the Lubov's green spaghetti from yeah, yeah, yeah. Simply Julia, and that one I found in the San Francisco Chronicle, the green pea risotto, yep, yep. where you just make that food processor magically emulsify your vegetables, basically, and then throw them on top of some rice or pasta, and it's just really fresh. Yeah, and I think she said... Kind of that was the point of it was to have it be summery but substantial. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like your summer recipe is cantaloupe soup, which is delicious and refreshing, but it's not a meal. Right. So this was, this definitely felt like a meal. So I enjoyed that a lot. And then I went to the farmer's market on Sunday, which I hadn't done in a while. And I could buy things like five perfect scallops. Right. <laughs> because it's just me. I don't have to worry about feeding teenage boys. I don't have to worry about not feeding my husband that, right? It just, I had these lovely scallops. I was totally worried about messing them up, but I pulled out my Mark Bittman, how to cook everything, and it turned out great. 
So I had that. I did some vegetables on the side. It was lovely. And I got a nice piece of salmon as well. Great. So it was lovely. I think scallops are like a secret, super fast meal. Yeah, they are. You just can't be intimidated by them because they're really easy. Yeah. But I think to... I think people worry about overcooking them. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, they were they were great. I did a nice pan sauce with them. It was simple and it was a really nice meal for one. So yeah, so that was Bravo. That was what I did. It was a nice nice week of experimentation and just kind of seeing what I felt like making. I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, once I bought the scallops, they needed to be cooked. <laughs> but uh, but it was delicious. How about you? Similarly quiet and different week at our house. Adam was traveling a little bit this week, so I haven't really made anything new, new in a while. Just feeding the beasts and making myself a salad. I have, though, been really inventive with the salads, like throwing in tons of herbs, whatever is fresh, blueberries and feta, peaches and goat cheese, like make my own dressing. And I just really like having those fruits and goat cheeses in the salad. I don't know. It makes it like dinner for me. Yeah. And then I'm happy to chop up a little bit of chicken or a little bit of salmon and put it on top. And that has been what I've been eating for like the whole summer. A similar to you, I had some languishing peaches on the counter from the market that were not going to last or had been on a like a steady decline, frankly. And I made a peach cobbler, mm. which I I love. I love a cobbler over, I don't know, sometimes I like it crisp. But I looked at the cookbook, the Mark Bittman, How to Bake Everything, mm-hmm. and there's like cobblers, crisps, buckles, um, pandowdy, which is just pie crust. It could be delicious. It, it is delicious, okay. but pie crust is like... A whole thing you know it's so much easier to just throw together the crumble or a crisp top anyhow I was a little bit short of peaches I made up the difference with blueberries so it was a peach blueberry cobbler the cobbler I did add like a handful of oats because I like Mm. a little bit of texture to it and food processed it so it was tiny but more sandy it almost tasted like it had cornmeal in it, which made me think that would be delicious too. Yeah. (laughs) And my chief complaint about cobblers is they are like molten lava when you take them out of the oven, just hopelessly hot. And you have to be so patient and wait for that thing to cool down. Yeah. That's the hardest part about the cobbler is waiting for it to cool unless you have ice cream at the ready, which I did not. But even then you just, you're freezing and burning at the same time. Yeah. It's, you're asking for a burnt tongue, basically. Yes. I love this recipe though, it's super simple. It does call for a couple of eggs and it has baking oh, soda in it. So it does get like volume. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's really presentable for a, a cobbler. And I'm I'm happy with that. So one of our one of our squares in the bingo sheet is to cook or bake with friends and family. Now here it's not so easy to do yet. People are still being really cautious and it's kind of hard to to make a make a meal for us with friends and family right now. But I had an idea this morning. My Auntie Gloria passed away. 
My Auntie Gloria was 93, 92. Anyway, the best cook in our whole, in that side of my family. Wow. And she had so many recipes published in the newspaper. And one of the recipes that I have of hers is her rosemary focaccia bread. Mm. And I thought, I can't bake with Auntie Gloria, but I can bake with Auntie Gloria's recipe. And I'm going to count that as my bingo square. I like it. Yeah, I do too. And I feel like, wow, I have this whole cookbook of family recipes. It's kind of a shift from that bacon heirloom Uh or bacon heirloom recipe, but I'm going to do it in her memory and make that rosemary focaccia bread, which is like decadent and olive oily and it's just, it's going to be great. Sounds good. So I just... If you need to make a double batch and share it with a friend, I am here for you. I love that idea because if you're going the distance with yeast, you might as well. But also... I just want people to be creative with these bingo squares in a way that works for you. Yeah. So that's it for my quiet, well, quiet culinary kitchen. (laughs) It's not quiet because of construction, but. On the nightstand, I have, I have four books this time. It should be five, but one of them, I read a book and I'm mad at myself for pushing on through. And I think I have now learned my lesson and I'm using it as a teachable Um, moment to myself. I really can't give up books. When I got to the end, I was so mad. I was like, why Why did I keep... Anyway, so I won't be talking about that one, but I had four other good ones. So that was nice. So we start off with the... I, now I am so curious about the fifth one that I you know. want to kick to the curb. I will tell you about it, but it's... It wasn't for... It got, it was, was it not, not for you? It was not for me. Okay. It was recommended by a trusted source. A lot of people really seem to love it. There's a whole... It's part of a whole, like, 10 book series at least it might even still be going on so the author is doing okay they do not need me <laughs> right, to pump them up they're fine and People they're not like going to be hurt if you pass on a I, review probably yeah, yeah. fair so enough i think they will be okay but yeah no it was it was not for me and i'm okay with that okay but the first one i did really like the secret bridesmaid by katie birchall romance as you might suspect very delightful sophie our heroine is a professional bridesmaid. Brides hire her to kind of be the ideal bridesmaid who will actually be helpful and take care of things and get stuff done and take care of problems, right? Because you have your friends and you think they're going to help. And I mean, they're there to support you, but they're not going to help you do the wedding stuff. Like that's not their, they're not that into it. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but Sophie will. So she will help you plan stuff. She'll support you. If your Uncle Joe is getting too drunk at the bar, she'll kind of run interference and make sure he gets in a cab home. All the stuff. And it's great. So she has just landed the biggest client of her career. She's very excited. It is the daughter of an Earl who has been in all the society papers. The problem is it's her mom who actually hired her. The bride wants nothing to do with her, is trying to get her fired. And she has a really hunky older brother who seems to have a spark with Sophie. So why can't she just be a wedding guest and be helpful? Why does she have to be like a bridesmaid? Because you're not, because the bridesmaid is there the whole time. She kind of helps, like if the bride has a vision but doesn't know how to make it happen, she can make suggestions. She can say like, mm, maybe you don't want to do that, but here's how we can make that work so your vision is complete. She can help plan the bachelorette party and make sure that everybody is safe. <laughs> she can 
uh, you know, make sure okay. things don't get out of hand. She can, you know, she's there. She's supposed to be there for all of the wedding stuff. And a lot of people don't know that she's that she's professional. Okay. So you need to have a reason for her to be there. It's a little bit of a wonky concept, but you kind of just got to go with it. Is it a real thing? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think that because I was thinking about it, the problem would be since nobody except like the bride and maybe her mom or, you know, one of her parents knows that she's a professional and not actually friends with the bride, the old, it's kind of going to be word of mouth. But if you start showing up at all of the same weddings, people are going to be like, hey, why does everybody <laughs> that I know have the same friend that I've never heard of before? So it would be a little weird. So she's trying to keep this job so that, you know, it'll open up more opportunities and she's doing this job under an assumed name just to help with the security and the privacy. So she's getting to know the brother and he thinks her name is Emily. So there's this whole trust issue thing. It's really sweet. It's really adorable. If you like high society stuff, because, you know, she's the daughter of an earl and they have a big family estate. And so you get all of that. And it's just very fun and escapist. A little bit of drama at the end because that's how romances go but it all works out so it was just lovely and i like going to weddings so i thought that was cute too and she has a whole thing about why she thinks weddings are great which i kind of agree with oh that's nice yeah she's like it's like the one day when everybody that you love is there theoretically ideally everybody loves there they're just thinking about how you know how much in love you are and it's just a day all about love which is very sweet. It doesn't always work out like that, but in theory. Next book was High Fantasy, which is what, what we call it. <laughs> Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And I think she's had a bunch of young adult books, but this is supposed to be an like her first adult series. There was a lot that happened in this book. It's the first book in a series. Okay. It takes place in a world where 500 years ago, there was a war between the fairies and the humans. They ended up signing a treaty. They're going to live apart. Don't bother each other. Feyre is our heroine. She and her family live in a town about two days away from the border. So it's not generally much of an issue, but there's always sort of this ever-present threat. And one day she is out hunting and kills a wolf, which turns out to be a fairy in disguise. So the wolves... Because they trickster do, fairies. They can. They're tricksters. So the wolf's commander comes to get Feyre and it's a life for a life kind of situation because of the treaty. He says, I can kill you here right now, or you can come back and live with me forever in the fairy world. So she obviously goes with living with him. So it's kind of a beauty and the beast take off a little bit. She there's, gets, a, there's a similar Russian fairy tale like this, probably. which is probably, yeah. It's a whole, yeah. So she gets to the fairy world. Things are not all that she thought they were. Yada, yada, yada. Overall, I liked this one. It was, I think, like 400 and something pages. Wow. And oddly, both felt like it was moving too quickly and too slowly at times. So there would be something that would happen and I would think, wait, wait, how did that just happen? Then it would end up being important later on. So I was like, oh, that's why she had to have that. So it sometimes felt like it didn't all quite connect in the right way. But there were some cool twists and turns that I was definitely not expecting. Interesting characters. So yeah, I'm kind of kind of interested. It's, I don't think I'm going to rush out immediately and try and get to the second book. But it's definitely on my I feel like sometimes the first ones in the series are all about world building and yeah, character establishing. And 
as I will discuss in my... Yeah, that is fair. Because the second half of the book was definitely a lot more adventure-y and fast-moving and things made more sense. So the first part was a little, little bit both slow and fast, as I said. Mm-hmm. But overall, not too bad. So that was Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And then I read <laughs> a sci-fi fantasy combo, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, which took place in San Francisco. So that's super fun. And she definitely, I think she's from here. Anyway, she definitely got the San Francisco stuff right. So that was cool. Patricia and Lawrence are friends in middle school because, well, they're sort of friends. They're both super geeky and kind of outcast. So they hang together and they actually seem to really get along, but they're both so sort of traumatized by their outsider status that they're not really connecting. They eventually end up getting separated. Fast forward they're both grown-ups living in San Francisco. They meet up again. Patricia is a witch who goes around helping people using her magic and also cursing people using her magic. Lawrence is a an engineer on a project to get people to another planet because global warming has accelerated and San Francisco is hot all the time and they think the world's just going to collapse and so they want to try and save humanity. So there's some tension between the witches and the scientists and all these adventures and crazy things happen. And it was, it was really, I, I enjoyed it a lot. They had cool adventures. It was interesting things to think about. The mashup of the fantasy and the sci-fi was kind of cool. So I enjoyed that one very much. And then to bookend my reading, I had another romance to finish. While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. I think I have mentioned, I've been waiting for this one to come out. Super excited. The library told me it was going to be like six weeks before I got my ebook. Boom, popped up after like a week. Maybe, not even that much. So that one immediately went to the front of the queue. It was delightful. She's such a good writer. It also takes place in San Francisco. And she is from Oakland, so she gets the Bay Area stuff. It was just adorable. So nice. Although not as much food stuff as she normally has in there. Usually they're always at restaurants. So I was totally planning on grabbing a recipe from this book for my cook from a book yeah. thing. And I don't, there was like, they had chicken did she, wings. Did she write it during the pandemic? She did write it during the pandemic. There are reasons they weren't going out as much. As you will hear, their relationship does not involve going on a lot of dates to restaurants. Mm. So there were there wasn't that option. So Ben is an advertising executive. And he's setting up a campaign, and the talent coming to do the ad campaign is a famous actress, Sparks Fly, and then the campaign is ending. The actress, Anna, is trying to get a new role in an upcoming movie, and her manager says, hey, if you have a boyfriend, like a common guy, we can sell this. Like, people will love that. You'll get a ton of press. The studio will see that you're a big draw, that you can get publicity, and, and it'll be great. So is the fake, is the real relationship going to become a fake relationship? Is it going to even be a relationship? And she just does such a nice job of having characters that feel like real people, but you also get the glamour because she's a movie star and she, and she's from the Bay Area. So they have a funny conversation about putting the in front of the highway number. (laughs) Um, I read that in like a day. (laughs) That is While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. Excellent. Yeah. How about you? Okay. So I only have two books to talk about today because I have, for the first time in a long time, 
four or five books in progress that I'm like smack Ooh. in the middle of and I keep shuffling around and they're all really different. So don't worry, I'm not going to get them confused like <laughs> I have been we known have. to do. Do you so, normally read lots of books? No. In the okay. I, for the most part, I have two going and one is usually nonfiction that I'm kind of pawing through like an art book. Normally just two, if that. And I mostly just read in the evenings, especially now that like the front of the house is so noisy. Yeah, I have several on the burners yeah. and that feels weird. My and husband usually has five going at any given time. Really? They're all different. He usually has like an audiobook and a not lit, like a novel and a nonfiction and something in a foreign language and maybe something the kids have recommended and, you know, just something else. Yeah, it's... It's unusual for me because I like to be in that world. Yeah. But I feel like, and kind of like what your husband does, they're all pretty different right now. And I mm. think that's what's allowing it. But it's also much slower. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hinted at it last week that I had started the Inspector Gamache series. Yes. Oh, right. And I finished uh, book one, which yep. is called Still Life. For people who might be jumping into this series, I don't think, I think we're pretty good about not giving away the plot, the trajectory, but I'll be careful with this because one of my aunties is reading them and she is, she sent me a text like, ah, Monica's a book ahead of me. I had to pause and skip over her oh, review of it. I so, try not to say things that will, yeah, we try to be careful. Spoiled. I think, I think you can give kind of. For most of them, you can give plot without giving away the the backstory, like the, the through lines. Right. I feel that way for sure about, especially with this, I'm exactly a book and a half into the series of 12 or something. I don't even know how 15, many. I think 16 is coming out soon. And it's like we were just talking about. There's a little bit of world building, although this is like a very normal town in Canada and the cast of characters... I just learned because I've started book two and you mentioned it that they linger in this vicinity for a couple of books, which is kind of a delightful premise because then you get to know the characters better. And when, when they introduced them in book two, I was like, oh, she's back. You know, yeah. like I liked that. The other thing that I like about this series is all the art. Yep. Oh, I guess I hadn't told you that. Yeah. I talked about the food because that was kind of my thing. Yeah, I the characters are really well fleshed out, and I love Inspector Gamache. And the first book was so curious to learn more about his beloved wife. And I now that I'm on book two, I'm hearing more about her. I love his overall demeanor and how he's... So these are like murder mysteries, but they're like the gentlest murder mysteries ever in that he is there to solve the crime they're kind of like agatha christie's in that very yeah. sort of classic they're not lingering on the murderer or, or the, the death. there's yeah. no grisly details it's really about the living people and how the death has affected them and yeah. and how all of those interpersonal relationships are contributing to how the inspector solves the case one of the things that i i was surprised about or that stuck with me after the first book was he had this one trainee who was a real pest and I didn't like her and that 
was a thorn in my side in the first book. And I don't want to say anything more about it because I think people should read these. They're really a wonderful series or listen along. The, the narrator is great. Um, For the first 10 books, yes. Right. And then we learn that we get a new narrator. I don't, I'm now I'm self-conscious about what to say about it. So there is a, a beloved woman in the community and she's a, a little bit older. She's middle-aged and she's found dead in the woods. And Inspector Gamesh is brought in and he's meant to solve the case. He's looking at it from every angle and interviewing her friends and her neighbors and her niece, who is a real piece of work, a real piece of work. And we don't have access to her house. And then when we get into the house, it just unfolds into this really weird scenario. But there's also art in it. And she was kind of a, a cloistered secret artist and and what that means, like when your family doesn't support your passion. And I don't know, I, I really enjoyed this book. And I felt like as a standalone, it was very satisfying. But now that I'm on book two, it's gotten even more rich. So that is Still Life by Louise Penny. You know how everybody was reading The Silent Patient? I think it was popular last summer. It was an Alex Michaelides book, a thriller. I didn't read it because I could never get a hold of it through the library. Did you read it? I have not read it. But I was able to get book two, which I think they're very loosely connected. I think there's like two threads. Book two is about a woman who is a therapist and she's a recent widow. She never had any children with her husband, but they had, I don't know if they technically adopted her, but they definitely took this like younger cousin or friend of the family under their wing and looked after her when she lost her parents. So she's only like 15 years younger. And the main character is 35 or 36. The girl who's in college loses a friend. There's a death on campus. And so she goes to the campus, which is where she attended with her husband when they were young, to to be a support for her let's call her niece, her name's Zoe, and to not really to get involved, but she ends up kind of getting involved with this case. She suspects it's this one classics teacher because there's Greek postcards around and she's just determined to get this guy caught. As things unfold, it gets really weird and you think that she's sort of solved it and isolated exactly what's happened then there's a giant plot twist in the end. And so it is very fast, very satisfying read. And not what I was expecting. Hmm. And I, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I have read his first book. Right. There's some Greek mythology happening. There's, which is really weird because I'm reading another book about the Lady of Shalott. And this one has, I just said that all of my ongoing books were unrelated, but come to find out. It has some, you know, tentacles into Greek mythology, into old literature, and I think that it's a fun summer read. Easy. Okay. Yeah. And what was it called? The Maidens. All right. 
It's not super creepy. It's not... Just a little bit. Just a little bit, and it's not grisly. Cool. So, mm-hmm. all right. Maybe I'll add that to my list, along with everything else. All right, bingo. <laughs> bingo. It's a very long list. Um, bingo started Friday, May 28th, and will end Monday, September 6th, which is Labor Day here in the U.S. To enter, you need to post a photo with your completed bingo on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2021 or on the Ravelry thread, which is there. I did remember to put it up. Yeah, just enjoy. Um, you can get the card still if you need to by emailing us or DMing us and we will email you a PDF or it is in our highlights. Yes, I got it finally. It's only been two years, three years. Yeah, this is our third year of Summer Bingo. And I think I've always been much further along at this point in the summer. That's okay, though. Where do you still have plenty of time. I actually got some things done. Um, I did not think I was, and I was looking things over, and I had some realizations. I read an award winner, All the Birds in the Sky, was the Nebula winner for Best Novel in 2016, or Maybe twenty, maybe they got the award in twenty seventeen because the book came out in twenty sixteen. But that was exciting. And then I started on the three recipes, so I'll probably talk about that next time. Three recipes from one book. I picked a book that I hadn't hadn't been using in a while and wanted to dive back in. So we will we will see what happens with that. And then was not expecting this, but it was saying how Jasmine Guillory is probably not gonna, or while we were dating, is probably not gonna work for cooking from a novel, but. Her main character suffers from severe anxiety, and both characters are just in therapy for general things. So there's a lot of talk about mental health and how we need to talk about it. So I am doing that for we put someone with a disability. I don't. Yeah, we I need to. That. Yeah, we need to rework our wording there. But I think that one is in the spirit of what we were trying yeah. to. I thought about having representation having, about right. I thought about having a separate square for that focused on mental health. <laughs> Um, but I feel like be flexible with yourself and it's, it's all important that representation. So, yeah. So, and I think they did, she did a nice job with it. I'm not sure if she herself has had issues or if she just did research, but it seemed a good, a good representation. Along those same lines though, for that particular category, I was looking at trying to build a couple books that might work and I found some good lists and I think I'll post those oh, yeah. in my show notes in case people want some ideas about I was really looking for books by or about people with a disability and I did get a book of poetry that I I didn't read it cover to cover but I can link to that in the in the notes too so I have a collaborative project with Matthew for my snail hair clip. I plan to cook the, bake the Auntie Gloria's focaccia bread, rosemary focaccia. And then one of the summer reading books for my kids is an award winner. And it won a national book award last year. It's called Interior Chinatown. Oh, I've seen that around. I tried to listen to it. It's by Charles Yu, and I tried to listen on audiobooks, but it's written in sort of script 
mm-hmm. format and I think I'll be be able to move through it better on paper. So I'm going to pick that up um, as soon as I finish one of these five books I've been going. <laughs> but I was happy that the school gave us three choices and Matthew chose Interior Chinatown. And I don't know what Nathan has selected yet. So they were all really different. And one of them I had read. I can put those in the notes too. So yeah, that's where I'm at with bingo. Oh, and I did pick up a new cookbook from the library. It's called Coconut and Sambal. Mm. And it's Indonesian. There's several recipes in there that I want to make. And I think I have a source, a market source, for some of the really unusual ingredients. So I'm excited about that. For the ingredients that are not common to American Mm -hmm. supermarkets. Yeah, one of the leaves is sort of an Indonesian vanilla. I understand that you can buy it frozen. I don't know if I can get it fresh, but I will report back. All right. That sounds really good. And then J.R. Carl 515 has posted on Instagram that they're reading 44 Scotland Street, which you recommended. Oh, hooray. The Alexander McCall Smith. Yep. There was a road trip involved in that one. So that sounds pretty good. That is excellent. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that book. So thank you for posting that and letting us know what you were up to. And we look forward to seeing some more posts and what everyone else is reading and cooking and crafting for their bingos. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've seen any completed ones yet. So yeah, we're interesting to see who you're aiming for a blackout, right? Yeah. I have several like rows of four. (laughs) I have not managed to, to actually do a bingo yet. So. But I have plans, many, many plans. So I'm, I'll, I will get there, I think. Super. So, yeah. All right. Well, until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.